What's up, everybody? Friday, October 2nd, right around 1 o'clock. Uh, Billy Ray Mitchell here on the pre-roll. Just checking in. Um, we have the locks of Saturday here bringing you the locks for this weekend. Everything you need to know from a gambling aspect. Wanted to run down some of the stuff that we have on the website as of right now. The Justin Cates Show is back. The quickest sports talk show in the world and it's a ton of fun. Um, again, Justin Cates, welcome aboard. Second uh, second edition of the Justin Cates Show has been posted today. Can the Hokies go 2-0 and against North Carolina teams? The Locks of Saturday article has also dropped. Shout out to Sam Jesse and the gang for doing that. And welcome Mike McDaniel and Ryan Hartman to the Locks of Saturday. Three reasons why Duke could beat Virginia Tech. Three reasons why Virginia Tech could beat Duke. Those articles have dropped. Also, shout out to the Virginia Tech women's basketball team for uh, getting 100% voter registration. We did a fantastic article on that by Ryan Hartman. And if you want to go way back, we got the Hokie victory over NC State renews the trust and culture build in Blacksburg by Mike McDaniel, my favorite piece uh, by Mike McDaniel so far on the Sons of Saturday. And Brett Smith is holding it down with a weekly article on Prokies, Virginia Tech football players that are in the pros. We give you the rundown what happened that week, statistics, everything going on. Am I missing anything? Shout out to Robert Irby, tying the knot this weekend uh, with a Clemson Tiger, but keeping it in the ACC. Hats off to you. Robert Irby does some fantastic work with us. Um, As mentioned before, he did the three reasons why Virginia Tech could beat Duke, and he will be doing that for the rest of the season um, and has done a great job. He's taken the reins on the newsletter, which will be going out today as well. But... Fantastic team that we have here uh, on the Sons of Saturday. We have a new partnership. The ink is not dry. We will hold off on filling you all in, but I'm really, really, really excited about that. We will likely be kicking that off next week. And on Sunday, remember, the legend, the GOAT, Coach Bud Foster will be joining us for a sit-down, so be sure you get your questions in. Other than that, here are the locks of Saturday. There's an email I need to go answer. And send in your letters from the lunch pail, and let's beat Duke. everyone we're the locks of saturday coming to you live it is late thursday night we are here for locks of saturday week five we got brett we got ed we got chris we got robert and a couple two new faces we have mike mcdaniel and ryan hartman two of the scribes of saturday they're going to come in help us out a bit we wanted to introduce some other segments to you guys give you some over-unders give you some prop bets we'll get into that as we go along Super pumped about this week because we get some really, some big boy football down south, guys. Big boy football, top 10 matchups, a couple interesting ACC matchups as well. And of course, the Virginia Tech Hokies travel down to Durham, North Carolina to take on David Cutcliffe's Blue Devils. So, I mean, let's just get it started. First game up, we have Texas A&M plus 17 and a half at Alabama, SEC West battle. Uh, You know, it just, it feels like football. It's October CBS afternoon game. Um, 
You know, I'll kick it off to Brett. What do you got here? Uh, I got Bama covering this one fairly easy. I mean, the tie, they looked like they didn't play as clean last week against Missouri. But let's be real. they Mac Jones only played for a couple quarters or two-thirds of the game, if that. And he looked really good through for 249, a couple touchdowns. The offense looks good. You know the defense is going to be good. I think the Tides got this by three touchdowns. Yeah, Chris, how about you? I didn't have to think much about this one. It all comes down to Bama winning big, as usual, at home. And Texas A&M usually flopping on the road, especially since they joined the SEC. You know, we're entering year three. It feels like 30 with the Kellen Mond, Jimbo Fisher pairing. If it's not going to click now, then never. And week one, they cut off to a flop. And I expect week two going into Bama, Nick Saban's going to have them on point. And the most interesting point that I brought up in the locks column that I wanted to bring up on this podcast was just the average margin of victory of Bama at home versus SEC competition is five touchdowns over the last three to four years. And the average losing margin for Texas A&M in the exact same situation on the road is about two touchdowns. So you just do the math, 17 points, more than enough. Bama wins big, and that's actually a value, which is saying just how crazy good Alabama is. Roll Tide. Yeah, Chris, you know, I had kind of the same thing. For the last five matchups between A&M and Bama, Bama's won by over 17. I mean, the only time that it seems like Texas A&M has been able to compete with the big boys in the SEC is if they go to seven overtimes against LSU or if Johnny Football's playing quarterback, and Johnny Football ain't out there. I mean, Kellamon's good, but you know, again, we don't know what Jimbo Fisher and Kellamond and, you know, this program is really about. Uh, Irby, you have the tide as well, but 17 halves a lot of points. I mean, let's be real. That's a – that's – Vegas is really heavy on Bama for a top 25 matchup. Yeah, it is a lot of points, um, and especially for Alabama to be playing another top 15 team. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, only beating Vanderbilt 17 to 12 is pretty pathetic. Um for A&M. And I mean, I think Alabama, it's just maybe last year was, you know, a down year for them, even though most programs wouldn't consider that a down year. Um, but I think that they, they could very well be the best team in the country. Um, that defense is just nasty. Jalen Waddle is ridiculous as is Najee Harris. Um, I think Mac Jones, I mean, I think Alabama's had better quarterbacks in the Saban era. Um, but all he really has to do is hand the ball off or throw it somewhere in the general vicinity of Waddle and then let the defense go to work and they'll just continue to blow out opponents. Um, I guess until that last game of the year against Auburn. Um, but I like the tide big here. Yeah. Ed, you're the only guy who went with A&M and you said it's cause you don't have a lot of faith in Mac Jones yet. Yeah, I, well, I've also picked a and just because everyone else picked Alabama. we got to have a little bit of diversity in this column, guys. Let's, let's do a little better there. Um, but, no, I picked, I picked A&M to cover just because it's a pretty big number. I feel like it could end up being a somewhat defensive game if A&M can figure out any semblance of offense, unlike last week. And also, I don't have very much confidence in Mac Jones and think he's going to end up losing that job to Bryce Young at some point in the year. So, um, who knows, maybe it'll be this week. I don't know. Just really just wanted to be, you know, devil's advocate in the column there. So we'll see how it goes. I, when I looked at this spread, I was super unsure. So I think it go either way. they will probably be right around that 17 number when it all is said and done. So I'll, I'll take the, I'll take the A&M cover there. 
Uh, staying down south, we have the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Auburn is plus six and a half going to Sanford Stadium to play Georgia. Top 10 matchup, biggest matchup in college football so far this season. Uh, guys, I'm just going to say I, I like Auburn this year. I think they're being really disrespected. I, I thought their seven-point spread against Kentucky was disrespectful last week. They covered that pretty easily. That defense is just reloaded. Bo Nix, he's had a year to mature. I like Auburn. I think they're a big-time value pick, not only this week but the rest of the season. And I, I don't even know if they'll win this game, to be quite honest with you. But everything about it seems like a three- or four-point game It's going to come down to special teams, a random trick play, low scoring. That's just how these big SEC games go. And, and I don't think Georgia is a touchdown better than Auburn, especially what we saw again with them. You know, defensively against Arkansas, who sucks. I mean, they're they are bad this year, and, and Georgia struggled at points during that game. Um, you know, Brad, I'll kick it back to you. Yeah, I kind of struggled with this one a little bit. I really did. But looking back on it, I rode Kentucky hard last week, and I'm still confident in my pick last week with Kentucky. They really dropped the ball, literally or threw the ball away on the goal line a few times that would have kept that game close and they could have really had a chance to win that game. I mean, it was seven to six for uh, a fourth of the game, almost half the game actually was half the game. So it was like, I couldn't believe that Georgia was still only 6.5 favorite. However, they did really not do too well against Arkansas last week, but they're at home in a major matchup. They probably played a little flat against the weak opponent last week. I think dogs get it by a touchdown, maybe 10 points. Yeah, Chris, how about you? I said it last week, and I'll say it again, and it's all about the defensive line matchup for Auburn. And going into the Kentucky game, we all kind of knew what Kentucky had uh, just because we faced them in the bowl game last year, and that's one of the biggest defensive lines in the SEC, let alone the country. And Georgia has the biggest and most aggressive defensive line in the SEC, therefore making them the best defensive line in the country. And it's just not a matchup that that run spread scheme from Gus Malzahn, the Tigers really match up well against head to head. So you mix the fact that they're playing in Georgia in the last 10 games, Georgia's eight and two head up against Auburn. And if you're going to pick this game, I don't think that you're going to pick the winner of the game to also win closely. I think the winner of this game is going to beat the other team by a touchdown. So I'm picking the dogs at home to win by a touchdown. And if it was a better matchup for Auburn and they were at home, I'd probably pick vice versa. I just don't see this game being that close. I think Georgia wins. And uh, I think the Auburn Tigers kind of get exposed here in this game. Herbie, you got the dogs too. Um, you know, are you feeling the same way? Yeah. I mean, this kind of like Brett, this wasn't a pick I was overly confident in. Um, I definitely think Georgia will win the game, but whether it came down to winning by a touchdown or not was kind of the kicker for me. But, um, you know, I think Georgia looked like a def very different team in the second half. Um, I mean, they outscored Arkansas 22 to three in the third quarter. Um, and it's when they brought in, you know, Stetson Bennett, the dude, crazy story. I mean, transferred away from Georgia, then back to Georgia. Um, now is getting his chance under center. Um, we'll see how long it lasts, if they bring in JT Daniels or not. Um, regardless, I think Georgia has two at least capable quarterbacks there. Um, and kind of like what Chris said, that defense, particularly the defensive line, is just nasty. Um, and I think Bennett or Daniels or whoever's back there will make enough plays to uh, put the dogs ahead by a touchdown. 
Ed, you're the only other guy here who's going board Am Eagle with me. Uh, you know, well, how do you feel good about the Tigers? The uncertainty at the quarterback position for Georgia is kind of worrisome. Um, I mean, they obviously came on in the second half, but like we still don't really know who's starting for them, whether it's JT Daniels or Bennett. Um, and that alone is probably enough for, I think, Auburn to potentially cover six and a half, just the uncertainty. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't really have one, which is, I guess, kind of a problem the Hokies might end up with as well. But um, I liked how Bo Nix played last week. Auburn looked pretty good, um, despite, you know, Kentucky shooting themselves in the foot a couple times. And like I said last week, Skybar is amazing. So Ward and Eagle. Yeah, we're going to get to a point where we're just going to bet on the team who has the best college town bar and That's Auburn's going to be tough to beat. Um, and, true. Yeah. Uh, but I have heard that Athens, Georgia is one of the great college towns in the country. And I have heard that as well. Yeah. So it's a battle of two good college towns down there as well as two really good football teams. And I'm really pumped to now talk about something else. People don't just bet spreads. You don't just look at spreads over unders. is just such a major part of sports betting, especially in football. And Ryan's got us covered with the over unders Ryan how many points are we going to sweat out on Saturday? Well, I'm hoping that we win with ease on all of these. I I am known in some circles as Ryan the Hammer Hartman because people take my bets and and hammer the books with them. So um, take that as you will. Um, I I feel a little bit like Chris the Bear Felica because I'm coming in with a a three-game set here. You know, he's on college day and college game day and shows on his – his three games that he's got showcased for the weekend. I, I have three for you um, to, to hopefully help out your bankroll. Um, I'll start with big boy football. You guys have been talking about it. Um, I will stay with it. Ole Miss and Kentucky. Um, I have the line right now is over 61 and a half, 61 and a half. So I, I have the over. Um, I, I'll be honest, I, I can't name many players on Ole Miss offense, but the name that you need to know uh, for this over is, is Lane Kiffin. Um, that guy's an over machine. Um, you know, I, I watched a little bit of, uh, of their game against Florida in week one, and they, they scored some points. Um, I think they're playing a Kentucky defense that's a step down uh, from, from what Florida has and what Florida brings to the table. Um, and I, I, I think they put up, I, I, they put up 35, I believe last week. And I, I think they, that they, they're primed to put up more than that. Um, and then switching to the other side of the ball, Kentucky, you know, this is a team, you guys talked about it already, um, a little bit and talked about it last week on the pod that this was a team that, you know, they, they had a, a pro style quarterback and Terry Wilson who went down and obviously Virginia tech fans know too much about Lynn Bowden. Um, but I, I like Terry Wilson. I like that, you know, they, I think they got their jitters out in week one, obviously, again, we've already discussed their, their mistakes in week one, but they showed, they showed some promise and they showed they can move the ball. I think they finished some of those drives that they didn't against Auburn. Um, and I, I honestly, I, I think, you know, I think they too put up 35 to 40. I think this, this, this number's too low. Um, and again, keep the name Lane Kiffin in mind. Don't overthink the pick and take the over. Um, I think this is this is one of those that that that's the, the obvious holds true. Um, move, moving on to the next one, um, I have uh, te- TCU in Texas over sixty three. Another over for you. Um, I think I look at this name to know in this game is Sam Ellinger. I think he's he reminds me he's kind of the reincarnate of Colt McCoy slinging the ball all over the place. I think 
Um, this guy's going to put up a crazy amount of crazy amount of points against TCU. Um, I, I like Texas. I, I like Texas with the spread as well in, in this one. But the over, um, I, I think, looks great here. You know, you, we we saw Texas last week struggle a little bit and have to score points late in the game um, to end up taking that to overtime and winning. I understand the late scores and the overtime win, but the, this Texas team put up 63 itself last weekend. Um, and, you know, take that, you know, with the overtime and everything. But uh, I think this team can score points. TCU, uh, TCU is um, a, a team that's played one game. Um, I was pretty high on Iowa State, who they lost to by three in the first game. But, uh, you know, I think, I think they can put up – if they put up 21 points – this game hits over um, because I think Texas is just a scoring machine this year. And I think they'll score a lot of points. Um, both of these teams combined have played three games. The over is three and zero in those games. I included that in, in the column that went out on, on the website. Um, I don't expect this to be any different. Um, the last one I have is one that you guys have already talked about. And um, if, for the record, I like, I, I like the Auburn tires as well in this one with the spread um, as a scene in the column, but I also like the under. Um, I think both of these teams are going – this is going to be an NFL-style game to me. I think this is going to be a running, heavy SEC slugfest where defense is the strong side of both sides of the ball. Um, This total opened up at 39-and-a-half, and and it's jumped up to 44-and-a-half. I think – it may it may rise with with public with public money with the, you know public money keeping that keeping that total going as maybe um, you know the, they're thinking to do high powered offenses in Auburn Georgia but I, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of unfinished drives that end in field goals and I think we see we see an old fashioned SEC slugfest two powerhouse defenses that um, I like it to be you know twenty one seventeen something like that I think Auburn Auburn stays within six and a half as well but. Um, I think the clock tick, tick, ticks in this one um, just because of the running game. Um, that's what I have. Uh, that's what I have. Take it to the bank. Uh, any thoughts on those guys? I, I, I'm curious to know uh, how we feel. Dude, I, all three of those, you sold me. You sold me on all three, especially the Texas TCU just seems like a game that's going to score like 80, 90 points. I, I don't know what that number is doing in the 60s, Yeah. Um, especially with how Texas have played defense. Um, so yeah, I, I, what do you guys think? Because it's, I mean, those, those are some pretty low numbers for big call games. Yeah, I agree with the Auburn Georgia one. That's part of like another reason why I picked Auburn is because I do think it'll be a low scoring game and I don't see anyone winning by more than a touchdown. I could see it being a really close game. So I definitely like that one as well as the, the Lane Kiffin pick. Cause it's always fun to watch that guy coach some football. So Dude, I don't think he knows anything about defense if you asked him what like lineup i don't think he could name the starting 11 on Ole Miss's defense i really don't i mean i think he's a football genius on offense but i don't think he could name the 11 starters on defense not at all all right guys so we're going to move forward acc game a little less sexy than the the acc game um a little less sexy than the sec games excuse me but really important for tech fans to Hokey rivals squaring off. We have North Carolina Tar Heels minus 14 traveling up to Boston College. Interesting game. Boston College looked pretty darn good against Duke and then pretty darn bad against Texas State. 
I this is a weird one because any other year I'd say this is a toss up game, but you know UNC uh, they're everyone's darling this year. I'm surprised it's only at 14. I expect this more at 17, 18. What do you think, Brett? I have to agree. I thought this line was pretty low considering how BC played last week. UNC did look awful against Cuse in the first half when they played. Um, I took Cuse to cover and I thought it was on lock, but. UNC ended up putting 21 points on the board in about 10 minutes. So that just kind of showed what they can do. Um, if BC plays like they did last week, I think it's going to get ugly. But I did mention in the article that UNC lost another defensive back, and they will be starting a true freshman who is number zero. It's the first number zero I think I personally see play on the field uh, at defensive back, at quarterback. So the, that's the only Eagles exploit. They have, they have a good tight end, so it'll be up to uh, Surratt to you know play a game, but he'll – more than likely play the game well. And I think the cover, uh, the heels cover big here. Yeah, you know, real quick, uh, Chris, Irby, and Ed, we, we all have Carolina here. And I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Chris, what do you think? So we're going into kind of the next phase of the Mac Brown kind of led Tar Heel. So they're starting to get some more national respect and they're being heavily favored on the road. So I went out and searched for how they performed and surprisingly two and one against the spread with a 15 point margin of victory as an away favorite. Now that's also going into usually those games against lackluster ACC competition of which Boston College is the perfect example of lackluster ACC competition. I think I spent about an hour researching this game and just kind of trying to figure out how you can basically shut down Duke, who we thought at the beginning of the year was competent, and then struggle to come back 10 points, I think, in the fourth quarter and kick a game-winning field goal against Texas State the next week. So just that disparity alone just screams just don't think this one through don't overthink this roll with nc hope they win i hope they win in a blowout i hope they're overrated and i hope we do uh well this weekend as well because that means a very very enticing matchup next week undefeated Hokies and undefeated unc i'm looking forward to it heels big irby your thoughts yeah i mean for the unc aspect i don't really think there's much more i could add um, I mean, they're by far the better team. I think my only fear in this pick would be um, just the aspect of this being a trap game for the Heels. I mean, they have to be looking ahead to playing Tech next week. Um, I think that that'll kind of be their litmus tests, and they'll prove whether you know all the hype is for real or not. Um, and I mean, it'd be easy to overlook a team like Boston College. I don't think it'll happen, but would I be surprised to see it? Not at all. Yeah, Ed, thinking the same way. Yeah, I'm not going to waste too much time here. UNC is just better. They're going to pick up right where they left off against Syracuse and should win and cover very easily. Yeah, yeah, this, this, that shouldn't be a close game if, if UNC comes to play, but they have a history of sometimes not coming to play. Speaking of teams not coming prepared to play, North Carolina State is playing. Uh, they're going up to Pittsburgh. They are 14-point underdogs at Heinz Field. Uh, you know, real quick, I'll say something because this year coming into our picks, I know we did the uh, game uh, win-loss over-unders to start off locks of Saturday. And I think I picked over four and a half for NC State. And I said, look, this team, they were riddled with injuries last year and they still got the four wins. They're going to be a better team. They're going to have a figured out quarterback. They have Leary. 
they looked so bad. I mean, they looked bad against Wake. And and Wake Forest is not a very good team, and they barely won that one. They Tech could have put up 50, 55 points on them. They looked bad. I mean, they look weak on the offensive and defensive line, and that was supposedly their strength coming into the season. I, I, I think Pitt is a team that might be a tad overrated. We might be playing into, you know, the, the pick cards a little much. I, I think Louisville has shown that they are not for real. And then they played a pretty bad Syracuse team and then Austin P. So, um, you know, I don't know if this is going to be a blowout. I, I don't know if Pitt's going to control the game against NC state, like tech control the game against NC state. But I think it's, it's three touchdowns in, in some way, shape or form of, Brett, your thoughts on it? Yeah, Sam, like you, I took NC State with the over under on the over four and a half wins this year just because they've had winning records every year until last year for like six years. And I thought, you know, they were riddled with injuries and I thought they would get it, but you're right. They look not good. They look really bad. Um, and Pittsburgh's defense is the best in the ACC, one of the best in the ACC, if not the best in the ACC right now. Uh, against, they threw up a couple big plays of Louisville last week, but overall, I mean, they only won by three, but that defense looked like they were in control the whole game. It's just going to be up to Pickett to get uh, some points on the board, and I think they can get four, he can at least get 14 for them. So I get Pitt to cover. Yeah, Ed, Chris, and Ryan, I'll throw you guys in here because you all had NC State. What in the world have you seen from the Wolfpack that makes you think they can go up to Heinz Field and make this a game? Yeah, I don't really think it's as much about NC State as it is about Pitt's lackluster offense and 14 being a pretty good size number. Um, I think NC State had to really get away from like what they wanted to do, which is run the ball last week because we just came out and punched them in the mouth so quick and so fast, and like they had to start throwing, and that clearly didn't work. And you know, we saw how that unfolded. But I think with a new quarterback and kind of a reset, they might be able to get back to running the ball successfully the way they did against Wake. And hopefully they can keep, um, you know, the Pitt offense kind of locked down as much as possible to cover 14. I just don't think Pitt's offense is very good. While their defense is very good and they could easily cover that way, um, I like NC State to kind of bounce back here after last week's wake-up call. Yeah, if I can, I'll, I'll add to that. I agree with you, Ed. I think I, I agree with you said at, at the beginning. It's not, it's not so much what NC State has done. Um, to to convince me, it's that I don't know if Pitt can score enough points to um, to cover that number. Um, I think that I think Devin Leary looked okay. He resuscitated the offense a little bit. I think he he puts a little bit of life. If, if anything, they the NC State has more confidence going into this week, knowing that um, he he's got to be the starter in my opinion. So I, I think he maybe gives them a little bit of life. Um, and and it's more. I don't know if. I, I, you know, in, in Kenny Pickett, I do not trust. So I think I think NC State can can keep it within that. Yeah, guys. So you know, we're we're gonna move on real quick to a new segment, and we're gonna bring in Mike McDaniel to talk about some prop bets. Let's get fun with it. I mean, these are this is actually if you do like betting small small chunks somewhere, or even just something to root for in a game, prop bets are a great way to go. Whether it's you know individual player stats, team stats, looking uh, looking at spreads quarter by quarter. It's a really fun way to look at a game. And, and you can catch some really cool, you know, trends along a season with how teams perform, whether they're good in the third quarter versus, you know, the fourth quarter 
whether they you know like to run the ball more against certain defenses or, or something like that. It's a really cool way, an analytical way to look at the game of football. So, Mike, I'm going to hand it over to you. What do you got for us this week? Yeah, I got three good ones here, guys. Virginia Tech minus six at Duke. It's a first half line for the Hokies here. I like the value for Tech, and, and I can see why the line is set where it's at. Duke has gotten off to decent starts in pretty much every game they've played this year. Um, you think about the Notre Dame game in the opener. Duke uglied it up pretty bad. Um, they got off to a 3 nothing lead. Notre Dame didn't really wake up till middle of the second quarter in that game. Uh, you think to a BC game a couple weeks back that Duke actually got blown out in. That was a 7-6 to six game at the half. So that was one of those games where – you know, BC, again, took a while to wake up. So Duke is his first half team that just kind of hangs around. You can think back to last week, actually up 10 nothing on UVA after the first quarter. And then again, took Virginia a little bit of time to wake up. Virginia Tech last week, they get off to a really hot start against an NC State team um, that, look, I, I'm not sure how much better or worse they are than Duke at this point, um, just given the defensive struggles of NC State. I think Duke's defense is a little bit better, so I could see Duke once again just kind of hanging around with Tech. But the reason why I'm picking the Hokies here is because I think that Virginia Tech is the best offense that Duke has faced so far. I like Tech's high-end playmakers a little bit more than I like Notre Dame's, um, especially at receiver. I don't think um, – I think Notre Dame's still searching for that kind of talent on the outside. I think that's why they got off to that slow start against Duke. Um, and, and plus it was the opener. But given what Virginia Tech was able to do against NC State last week, I think this is decent value. Um, I, I think the Hokies are um, obviously better than 10.5 points, which was the line this morning um, for, the, for the game total. Um, and I think Virginia Tech sitting here minus six in the first half is a really good value to go pick the Hokies just based off of what we saw out of the offense last week. Uh, the second one, it was a game that you guys were just talking about, hitting NC State. Um, the over-under for the total for the game was 46.5. The first half total, the over-under is 24.5. I like the under here. I like the under in the game as well. Um, it's one of these games, too, guys. Like, look, Virginia Tech's defensive line looked really good last week against NC State. Pittsburgh's front seven, in my opinion, is better than Virginia Tech's. And this is a situation here where NC State gave up six sacks against the Hokies' defensive line last week. And Pittsburgh's front is better. And I think NC State, like, given the fact that Devin Leary did play well in kind of garbage time in the second half, it took a while for that offense to get going. I don't have a ton of confidence that NC State all of a sudden is going to run the ball as well as they have the first few weeks of the year. Like, that's been kind of the bright spot of the offense is the running game's been really good with Ricky Person and Bam Knight. I'm not sure they get it going as easily in this football game against Pittsburgh. And like you guys were talking about, I'm not necessarily overly confident in Pittsburgh's offense, but I'm really confident in their defense. And I think the offense is good enough on Pittsburgh's side to kind of have this be a slow burn type game where they end up winning this game by a few scores and cover the spread. Um, I, I also happen to like Pittsburgh minus 14 in this game because I don't think NC State's going to score all that much. Um, so keep an eye on this. I think this could play out very similarly to what we saw out of BC and Duke a couple weeks ago, where it was just kind of a slow progression. BC just kind of slowly pulled away as the game went on. I could see that playing out here for Pittsburgh, but I really like the under 24 and a half in the first half here. And then the, the last game, this is my favorite pick out of the three, BYU minus seven. It's the first quarter line against Louisiana Tech. BYU is outscoring opponents 103 to 10 this year for, for full game totals. BYU has looked incredible on offense, albeit against Troy and Navy. I think Louisiana Tech is better than both of those teams. But Louisiana Tech, I put this in the column, 
only held a 17 to 14 lead over Houston Baptist after the first quarter last week. And you're telling me that BYU is not better than Houston Baptist. I love BYU's offense. Uh, Mitt Romney's nephew is playing receiver. He's averaging like 31 yards per catch. He's got nine catches for like 270 yards and a touchdown this year. He looks like one of the best receivers in the Mountain West. I don't know how many games in Mountain West he's going to end up playing, but BYU is playing those games. Um, and they look really good offensively, guys. And this is my favorite This is my favorite pick out of the three. I, I think you hammer BYU here because of what they're able to do offensively. And given Louisiana Tech's struggles to kind of get going on offense, especially early in games, I think this is a no-brainer pick to hammer the Cougars here. So those are, those are my three picks. Yeah, BYU looks nasty. I, I will uh, – all season they've looked good. Mountain West starting back up, if you can – that's it's going to be interesting to see how the Mountain West contends with BYU this year because, uh, you know, there are some good teams out there. San Diego State, Boise, uh, Wyoming returns a lot. But I'm telling you, BYU looks like a freight train right now, especially offensively. All right, guys. So it is time to choose the Tech game this week. The Hokies are traveling down to Durham. Revenge game against the Duke Blue Devils. Virginia Tech minus 10 and a half. A lot of people really like the Hokies, but again, this is a game where the underdog tends to cover and it tends to flip around. Tech does have a really good record against Duke, especially with Justin Fuente and coming off a really hot game against NC State like we've talked about. But you never know with the Hokies. You never know. Uh, I really like Tech this week. Brett, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really like Tech this week. And, you know, I've I'm always – I guess pessimistic when it comes to tech against North Carolina teams, because I'm always scared of what's going to happen. But I think this is the ultimate revenge game for tech. And with the line being at 10 and a half, I think that's really low. I thought it would definitely expand as the week went on. I think maybe a couple books might be, have gotten to 11, but still hasn't expanded. I thought it would at least get to 14. Uh, I would definitely take some teasers for some alternate lines on this, a field goal or a touchdown. I think you could really get some good value out of this. Uh, the Hokies offensive line, I think, is the best it's ever been. Maybe the Michael Vick area, that offensive line was really good, but this offensive line is just absolutely nasty. And Duke has two good defensive ends, and that's about it. And the offensive line will take care of those guys. So I think Tech wins it big here. This is the cash-in lock, and I usually don't say that about Virginia Tech. Right, if you just jinxed it, I'm going to be real upset. You just locked us in. Uh, Irby, what are your thoughts? Um, Hokies traveling down to Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, so I actually picked this game um, to be a 38-0 to shutout for the Hokies. Um, it'll be the first shutout of the Justin Hamilton slash Ryan Smith era. Um, I think that Duke's offense is one of the worst in the country. They are averaging only 13 points a game. Um, that is sixth from the last in the country. And some of the worst teams on that list are teams that have only played one game. Um, whereas Duke has played three and they're still only averaging 13. Um, I think that Duke's defense is maybe better than the numbers would suggest, but still not good. Eventually they just get worn out because their offense is consistently punting or turning the ball over. Um, and I think Virginia tech probably other than Notre Dame, Virginia tech is the best team that Duke has played thus far. Um, tech is ready for revenge. Hendon hookers coming back. I mean, 10 and a half is a joke. Like, this is an easy bet. Yeah. In my you, mind. Well, you, you bring up Hendon Hooker. 
you know, one of my things going into this game, and we don't know the status for Hendon Hooker. It's it's still up in the air. Uh, Coach Fuente says that you know he is available to play. Well, his direct quote was "yuck," so he is available to play. We're guessing whether he will play or not. We're not sure, but does it really matter who's the quarterback for Tech? I, I mean, all three guys I think could go out there, play all sixty minutes, and Tech could run all over Duke. Literally, like Quincy Patterson could run over a player for Duke. Irby, does it really matter if? Hooker's out there. Does that change your thought process on this at all? No, I mean, I think, like you said, any of those three quarterbacks could go out and win the game. Um, Quincy, I think, would have to get past that that defensive line first to run all over Duke. Um, but I think our offensive line would do a pretty good job of just moving those guys out of the way anyway. Um, Duke does have some studs on the defensive line, but once you get to their back seven, it's pretty pretty pathetic. Um, and yeah, I think Burmeister probably still has a lot to prove, but he's solid as well. You know, we know what Hendon can do. I mean, Texas got playmakers, they've got an offensive line, and they've got a defense that's going to force a lot of turnovers. So, I mean, there's no conceivable way, I think, that Duke can cover this. Ed, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think Tech covers this, and it's probably pretty easily. Um, like I said last week, Duke stinks and Chase Bryce stinks, um, even with the uncertainty on the defensive side of the ball, both from a player and coaching standpoint with Tech. We don't really know who's going to be on the sideline um, this week for Virginia Tech. But back to what we were just talking about with the quarterbacks, um, at some point we're going to need to throw the ball, and it's not something I'm sure Quincy's capable of doing yet in his career. Um, so I really hope that we actually don't see him this week and we see a mix of Burmeister and Hendon because one of the two of them is going to have to play and play well for us to beat North Carolina the following week. Um, I don't want to you know get past this game, but when, like, quite frankly, Duke's just not good and we should cover 10.5 here and win the game easily. But that being said, we do need to figure out who our quarterback is because we are better teams are on the horizon and the passing game is going to have to be something that we have um, – some semblance of we can't just run all over everybody like NC State. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what Braxton and Hendon, presuming that they both play. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But Hokies big in this one. Duke stinks. Chris, you got Hokies big as well too. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, to be honest, I tried to look for an angle to kind of pull me back a little bit just because when I originally saw this line, I wanted to run and empty my bank account on the Hokies. And I just, over years and years and years of disappointment, decided to not do that. But I will bring up two important points. One of which we mentioned earlier, is this our trap game? You know, we're all looking forward to the UNC potential matchup next week. And usually this would be a perfect scenario of which we feel like we're going in as a double digit favorite to a road team that handed us a very, very embarrassing loss last season. So you think revenge game overconfidence and all of a sudden you find yourself in a slugfest with this inferior opponent. Uh, the second part was under Fuente, you know, we're four and nine with an eight point margin of victory with Justin Fuente as an away favorite. So we don't necessarily have a huge track record of just going out and being a heavily favored team on the road and getting stuff done. But at the end of the day, and, you know, we've kind of mentioned elements of kind of what the team looked like last week, but I'll just define it one word edge. You know, we haven't seen a hokey performance like that where we looked mean again. It reminded me of those old mid 2000s, you know, hokey's defenses for once. And 
that got me excited just because I feel like the depth is there. There's maturity. There is a contingency plan in place. They've done this really well as far as thinking about not just the players, but the coaches. And I feel like this is going to be controlled revenge game slash business trip for the whole case. I think they go down there and get it done, get back, get healthy. If uh, um, Hopefully none of the, uh, the protocols kind of dwindle our roster down here for the rest of the week. And uh, we just come through, get things done. Yeah, you know, I mentioned in the column too, Virginia Tech this season is, I think there's only going to be really one, two games where they're the less talented team. It's all about attitude. They come out with fire like the did against NC State. I think you could see a like record-breaking performance from Virginia Tech this week. I really do. But it's all about that edge. You know, do you come with that attitude? And, you know, Ryan, when you put in the, the column, you described this O-line as nasty, and I think that's perfect. I mean, they look – they look angry, like they want to. I, I you know, Brock Hoffman. I, I'm nicknaming him Berserker Brock. He's insane. I mean, he was told. Sid Smith said after the game, the referees had to tell him to tone it down. That is the best thing I have ever heard somebody say about a Virginia Tech offensive lineman. That made my heart so happy. Uh, Ryan, you got the Hokies minus ten and a half too. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think double B Berserker Brock, double B Braxton Burmeister. They they if it's those two on the field, they're um, they tear it up. Uh, I, I will say um, I just checked the line; it, it has moved to twelve and a half. It doesn't 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 deter me at all for um, where we're at. I think ten and a half, twelve and a half. You know, I, I, I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, I think I think if there is an angle to play. The, the Blue Devils, it's, you know, are we flustered uh, uh, on going on the road, playing in a, in a different stadium? I, I don't think so. I think this is going to be the same story, same old song and dance. Tech just runs it down. I, again, I think, I think it's going to be a heavy run offense, um, but I, I don't hate that. I agree. I think we'll need to see some passing game at some point, but um, I don't think it's close. I, I agree. I don't have much more to add other than that. Yeah, Mike, what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, we're not exactly sure what the, the roster for Virginia Tech will entail. To be honest, no one knows what the roster for Virginia Tech will entail exactly. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts? Is it Does it really matter how how many of those 23, if it's plus or minus five guys from that 23, does it matter? No, you know what? I, th- I think, honestly, um, the only thing that I think could make this a little bit dicey for Tech is if there were a number of starting offensive linemen out. Um, not to say that Virginia Tech doesn't have a lot of depth up front. They do, right? And the offensive line is, you know, I feel like there's a handful of guys behind every single starter who I'd feel comfortable sliding in there and getting an adequate performance out of. But this is a really good Duke defensive line. And that's the only way I could see this getting a little bit dicey. Um, oh, a, kind of a weird stat. I wrote in a column today about the three reasons or three ways, essentially, Duke could beat Virginia Tech. This isn't something that could potentially decide the outcome of Duke winning the game necessarily, in my opinion, because I think Virginia Tech's a lot better. But something that I think could make the line a little bit interesting, Virginia Tech was not very good on third down last week. The Hogies were two for nine. Duke's got a really good third down defense through three games. Um, they have the top 30 unit nationally on third down. That's something situationally to keep an eye on if this game does get into a little bit of a slugfest um, because I know we're nitpicking because Tech ran for over 300 yards last week and the offense looked really good. But if there was one area where I think Tech could improve its third down conversions on offense, 
two for nine is not great. You want to improve upon that number as we move forward against better competition. Um, but overall, like I'm with you guys, the line is a little bit weird to me. I was surprised it was as low as it was like 10 and a half seemed low to me. I couldn't really figure out why Chase Bryce seems to like to throw the ball to the other team. I mean, Duke's last in the country at teams that have played right now in turnover margin. Um, they're sitting at minus nine, which is 72nd in the country. That's out of all the teams that's played so far, 72 teams. They are literally dead last. So that's obviously an issue that they got to try to iron out. And when Breon Murray steps up to the podium on Tuesday talking to the media and says that he sees a lot of opportunities and that's all that he had to say about Chase Bryce, I think that tells you all you need to know about how the defense feels about this matchup against Duke's offense. So it's hard not to be confident Virginia Tech to win and cover the spread. Yeah, I'm going to throw something at you guys that's unplanned. And, and I just kind of came up with this. With Chase Bryce, again, two touchdowns, six interceptions. That's really bad. Virginia Tech, two really nice interceptions last week that were just really good instinctive plays by uh, Devon, Divine Diablo and Breon Murray, respectively. If I give you plus 400, or I'll even take it down, plus 350, Virginia Tech non-offensive touchdown, you take that. Anybody? I would, and I'll tell you how they're going to score it. Yeah. Strip back. Justice Reed Strip is a grown back. man. And Chase Bryce has, I believe, only about three or four sacks behind the most sacked person in all of college football coming into a defensive line that has a literal grown man playing defensive end for them. We got six last weekend against what was not necessarily an awful offensive line at NC State. Let's just say they're not one of the worst in ACC, but we do know that Duke is one of the worst offensive lines in the ACC. I think the Hokies crowd to the football. They strip sack them. We score six. Anybody else? Because I'm really feeling, I I remember I was at the Virginia Tech Duke game a few years ago. And we had a, I believe it was a Greg Stroman blocked field goal returned by Adonis Alexander for a touchdown. Um, and I just, I feel like this game has the potential. If it's going to be as big of a blow as we talked about, you know, it was like 38, nothing. I think I said, yeah, this game could be, you know, 45, 10, something like that. It's going to be that big of a spread. Usually something happens uh, defensively or on special teams. Uh, any Beamer ball, blocked kicks, blocked punt, punt return? I, th- I think I'm going to go with a, t- a big Tavion Robinson play for a punt return. I think I think that's the one that's going to happen. I think defensive touchdown is definitely possible, but I think it's Tavion's time. I mean, he's proven that he's the best kick returner on the team. He's also proven he's one of the best kick returners in the country, uh, and I think he's going to get his chance this weekend. I think Breon Murray's got something to prove after getting tackled by by Bailey Hockman last week, the quarterback for NC State. Um, he, he mentioned it a little bit this week about how his teammates are giving him a hard time. I, I, I like him to come back, turn it around, um, and take it to the house, and 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 hopefully, hopefully, Juke Bryce on the way there. Yeah, guys. Well, it's going to be you know, a really fun matchup. Hopefully, Tech comes out with the right attitude. I, I know I'm really looking forward to it. We talked about. You know, is this a look-ahead game? As a fan, I'm not looking ahead to this at all. Like, I am stoked to play Duke. I want to beat the crap out of Duke, whether it's football or basketball. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of guys wearing orange and maroon uh, on Saturday that are going to feel the exact same way. And you know Justin Puente, after all he got after that Duke game, after the low point, after everyone calling for his job, 
you know, this we've seen there's some teams that Justin Fuente takes it personal. And I think we see that against UNC where it's just he has this personal edge to him when he goes up against a UNC team, um, especially with that fake punt that Cutcliffe, who I'm going to say is one of the most overrated college football coaches in America. I'm so sorry, but he is. After that, I think you're going to see the Hounds released this week. Justin Fuente is going to be a man on a mission. If there's an X factor to this game, I think it's Justin Fuente. Um, guys, any closing thoughts? Um, to build on what you just said, I mean, Justin Fuente is, I believe, 9-1 and one in his career against North Carolina schools. Um, and that loss in the Belk Bowl was his first loss in the state of North Carolina. So, I mean whenever we're playing Duke or UNC or I suppose NC state, like when gets his boys ready to play. And I don't know, maybe it's a personal thing of, uh, you know, particularly UNC feeling like they can come into Virginia and take recruits. I don't know what it is, but regardless, Fuente always has the boys ready to play in a North Carolina school. And the only other thing I'll add just in closing, this is a really important game for recruiting. I think the next couple are, um, just given what North Carolina especially has done in the state of North Carolina the last couple of seasons since Mac Brown came back. I think it's important, Robert, to your point, that Virginia Tech continues to win the matchups in the state of North Carolina to continue to make headway on the recruiting trail there um, because obviously Tech's got a lot of key contributors, Trey Turner, Dax Hollyfield, Hendon Hooker, obviously, guys out of the state of North Carolina that have been really good for the Hokies, and Tech needs to continue that pipeline. Mac Brown for the 2020 and 2021 classes seems to kind of put up a fence there, and it's been pretty tough for Tech to continue the momentum they had. But I think winning the games against North Carolina schools will go a long way to kind of getting back on track there. So I think these games this year, especially against North Carolina schools, are really important. It was good for Tech to get off to a good start last week against NC State. Um, but to continue the momentum here um, over the next few games, I think will be really important um, off the field for the Hokies as well. Yeah, Virginia Tech plays all four North Carolina ACC schools this year. They are 1-0 and so far, and they'll look to go 2-0 and on Saturday evening. Guys, thanks so much. This has been awesome. Locks of Saturday. Lock them in. Take our advice. Hit us up on Twitter at Sons of Saturday, or I believe it's at Sons of Sat on there. Uh, hit us up. We'll be following that feed. Hit us up Saturday with your bets, anything that you're thinking, um, and enjoy the weekend, and go Hokies. Go Hokies.